0: yeah father we thank you so much lord for you being with us tonight god and lord thank you that um, each of us not only knows you and is able to know you but each of us is also able to play a role in your kingdom lord and god i pray tonight lord that um just as the disciples came together and they prayed for boldness and the disciples actually went out and were able to testify about you and see nations being turned upside down Lord, I pray that these songs that we've sung tonight, that it wouldn't just be songs, but that you would come with boldness upon us tonight. Lord, that you would come and do a deep work in us so that we can go out, Lord, and actually make a difference for you. In the name of Jesus. Everyone say? Amen. 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 It's good to be in this um, new venue, eh? It's, it's lacquer. You enjoying it? Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Let's just give God a round of applause for providing It's been such an interesting journey, um, like the church obviously, as those of you who are new might not know this, those of you who were here from the beginning, who was here when we started just over a year ago with 40 people? Okay, a couple of vans went up. And obviously now looking back, just over a year later, things have changed, amen? Okay, I think that's an mean. Things have changed quite a lot and um, it's it's been such an interesting journey, but... What we want to trust for, and there's been a lot of change. We've had venue changes more than once. We've had times of going to 50s and then back to 100s and then back to now we can do 250 in a venue. And it's it's just been such a wild journey. But what we need to trust God for as we are growing as a church, that we would not just grow in number, but we would grow in genuine disciples. People who genuinely follow the Lord with everything in them. And those of you who were here last week when Andrew spoke, I think it was a stark reminder for us to really say we're not here to be oxygen thieves, we're not here to just be Christians in name, but we're here to be people who have Jesus not only as our Savior, but also as our Lord. People have our la- lives laid down for Him completely. And we want to actually take a radical stance as a church and say, we if you join us, then we are going to run for God fully. We want to be disciples of Jesus and not just christians if you ask us what we are we really want to be christians in every sense of the word we want to be disciples and when we go out and we try and uh, win people for jesus and tell people about the amazing work of jesus then what we don't want to do is only tell them about jostian and invite them to jostian and say come and see this amazing church it's so lacking there's coffee afterwards and the people are friendly they're going to give you eggs even though it's COVID. they're going to give you eggs That's not what we want. Actually, what we want is we want people to be changed by the power of Jesus. And yes, church is a part of it. We believe it's part of it. But the primary thing is we want to see people coming to a place where Jesus is their Lord and their Savior. That's what we want to see. We don't just want to see the growth in numbers. And numbers, it's not a bad thing if those numbers are people who are fully devoted for the Lord. And so we want to see devotion for the Lord. So what I do want to speak about tonight, taking a bit of a curve to get there. Is I want to speak about a portion in the Bible that is called the Great Commission. Amen. We've got the Great Commandment. Uh, no? Yes, the Great Commandment. Hey, hello up there. Hi everyone. Nice to see you. <laughs> Come on. i must just remember to look up now. It's not just left and right. It's up and down as well. It's good to have all of you up there. But these, these are. Um, there's a portion in the Bible that we speak about a lot and that's the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength and everything that's in you. But then also at the end of Jesus' life, He gave us a great commission as well. And He told all of us, every Christian, to go out and to make disciples of all nations. And so we need to actually take that as heart, to heart as a church and say, how are we not only obeying loving God fully, but how are we also obeying going for God fully? And I want to speak about that a little bit tonight. So, firstly, I'm going to quickly uh, tell Bernadette's testimony for her. It wasn't where I was going to start, but I just um, thought about this tonight. Who's from Blumfontein? Really? Amazing. Amazing. Bloemfontein is the place where you can see your dog run away for three days. So flat. So flat. (laughs) We used to... We used to go to Bloemfontein a lot and we had this camp that we did there and it's amazing. Every time, whoever you've experienced this in your walk with God, you have these ups and downs. You've got this amazing eye, you go on a camp or you come to church and you have this experience and it's like it's a massive eye in your life and you feel excited for God and you want to run for Him. But then whoever you have experienced also sometimes that wanes away if you're not staying intimate with God. So, We had this camp in Bloemfontein and we were a bit perplexed about it because what happened was we would go and people would get saved and we would leave there and we would have a bunch of people who are running for God fully. But then we would go away and go back to Bloemfontein a year later and we would see that only a handful or at least some of those people are still serving God fully as when we left. And we were really wrestling with god about this thing like god how do we get this to change what is it that you need want to tweak in us so that the people who are following you will follow you all heartedly going forward what are we missing and we were praying that year and we felt actually god highlighting this the great commission and highlighting to us that it's not enough for you to only love god but you also have to live for god and do something for god both of those things are important. And so we went into this camp saying, what we want to do is we actually want to get people saved. Yes, that's important. But we want to get people activated for Jesus. We want people to live for Jesus and to reach out to the people around them. 2015, it was, it was amazing. So we had about, what, like 500, 500 and something people on this camp. A lot of people that came to this camp. Was it only Bernadette there? Who else was there? Ruan was there. Okay. And you know what? I've never seen God pitching up like that ever in my life. Never before, never since. And I'm trusting we'll see something like that since. There was such a move of God on that camp that I remember standing in front of the the venue that we were at. And when I looked behind me, I could literally hear boys, especially the boys, on the floor, literally flat on their faces, weeping, weeping. Hundreds of boys on their faces, flat on the floor with the power of God, weeping. Wow. Wow. And one of the things that we said on that camp is, yes, it's, it's good that you love God. It's good that you are passionate and excited about God. But when you leave here, are you actually going to be a light that shines for God? And we wanted to get people activated. And it and was interesting. Out of all the camps that we've done, that was the one camp that actually I believe had the most fruit going forward. About a week or something, or two, three weeks later, a guy called Heinz Winkler came to one of the schools. I think it was Heinz Winkler. And someone sent me a photo of over a hundred children gathering before his concert, praying for him. And they said, we don't know what happened here. I said, I know exactly what happened here. People were activated to do something for God. And not just receive from him, but also give what they were receiving. People sent me testimonies of in the school where, where the kids went back into the schools and they started praying for people and people started getting healed from different sicknesses in the schools. People would come into school with crutches and when they leave, they'd left without their crutches as people were prayed for and the power of God was there. And you know what? It was such an important lesson for me. Your walk with God, it doesn't only have the aspect where you receive. If you don't add the giving out what you're receiving, then you are lacking in your walk with God and you're gonna stagnate in your walk with God. And so every single Christian is called to not only receive from him, but also give what you have received. We're not into fat Christians. We're actually into Christians that eat, but then give as well. Okay, so that's that's what happened there. So that was amazing. So I wanna speak about that aspect, not just the receiving, but also the giving what you're receiving. And there's this popular scripture that I'm gonna work through bit by bit tonight. And it's um, in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, all of you would have heard this before at some point in your life. It's at the end of the book of Matthew. So you can put it up there for us. She, oh, sorry, think got saved on that cam. <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah, anyway. That's, sorry, yay. You guys <laughs> say that, okay. So I'm going to do something. I want us to read this together and then I'm going to preach through it bit by bit tonight and just uh, lay out some of the things that I believe this is teaching us and um, hopefully activates us as well to do something for God. So I'm going to start and then I want you out loud to read this with me because you've got the mask. It's awkward. I need to break the awkward thing somehow. So I'm going to start. and you read with me? One, two, three. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee. Going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given.
1: These,
0: sheep, these disciples, to obey all
1: the commands I am given them.
0: And be sure of this. I am with you always, even if the age. That's, <laughs> that's a preach, right? Talana is crying already.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's amazing to see the anger there. All right. So this is the Great Commission. Remember, if someone is on their deathbed, literally about to die, Jesus was about to go to the Father. If someone is on the deathbed, the last words they say, I don't know about you, but I'm going to take cognizance of what they say. I'm going to listen to what they say. And this is what Jesus tells us. So I'm going to go through it bit by bit. Firstly, um, so you can literally follow. You can keep it up there in between. Let's start there. And when they saw him, they were, well, let me go from the beginning. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, and Jesus starts speaking. I just want to stop there for a moment. It's interesting, right? I've, I've had these times in my life that I've had incredible encounters with God. As I've said, you have these highs with God, that you are passionate about Him and in love with God. And I'm, I bet that if I ask you guys, then many of you would have had similar times with God in your life. But isn't it interesting that although you have these mountaintop experiences with God, who can be honest enough to say, but then sometimes you also struggle in your walk with God? Is it just me? I don't think so. You see, it's a normal part of our lives. We are human beings that although we have these times of incredible encounters with God, years have promised for you. There will come times where you are going to struggle again in your walk with God. In fact, these disciples are people who walked with God For over three years, they were on by Jesus' side. They saw Him doing miracles. They saw Him raising people from the dead. They went out. He gave them authority. They drove out demons from people. They healed sick people. I don't know about you, but I wish I could have had that experience that they had, walking with Jesus. And even after being so close with Jesus, at the end of His life, when He stands in front of them, we read, just the verse before, that some of them doubted. See, it's normal in your walk with god to even go through times where you doubt jesus yeah. and that's a scary thought eh? i don't know if you've ever heard that being said from a pulpit because we try and hide these things but actually there are those times if we just reel with each other i don't need to be holier than i am i can be honest with you and say there are times when i struggle in my walk with god there have been times in my life where i've doubted god even doubted the existence of god but you know what There's two beautiful things that I learned from this. Firstly, God is not looking for perfect people to send out. Even when they were doubting, even when Jesus could have said to them, but you were with me all this time, how can you doubt? That's not what Jesus said. Even though they doubted, Jesus still looked at them and He said, still, I want you to go. Still, I'm sending you with my authority. See, Jesus is not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for willing people. To say, Jesus, I come with my doubt." I come with my struggles. I come with my insecurities. But I know that you will still use me. God doesn't call the equip. He equips the called. It's really what He does. And all He wants from us is to come before Him and say, God, I'm coming even with my struggles. Please still use me. And He does. The second thing is, the incredible thing is, although these disciples, some of them doubted, there were some that also didn't doubt So as you start wanting to be active for God and do something for God, there will come times of difficulty in your life. And if you're not plugged into a family of people around you, those things will pull you away from Jesus. But Jesus was able to use them because He knew that although some doubted, there were some that were strong in their faith. And I've had those times with God. I don't know about you, but where I've just felt weak, where I come to worship on a Sunday and I lift my hands and I want to be passionate for God, but... There's just not so much going on. Anyone? I'm looking for a bit of honesty here tonight. You've experienced it too. But you know what? There have been times, some of the most incredible times that I've had with God is when I come to church and I feel dry. And I feel far away from God. And somewhere during worship, I look to my side and I see someone on my side radically worshiping God. Tears in their eyes. Arms raised giving their everything to God. And that, most of the times, that has then sparked something in me again to say, Jesus, I want that. I want that. And it's like the the faith of the people next to me have pulled me up when my faith was struggling. And that's how God has designed it to be. If we stick together, then even though we are not perfect, even though we come with our problems, then still Jesus is able to say, I don't care about those things. I'm still gonna send you. I'm still gonna use you for my kingdom. So that's amazing. So wherever you are in your life, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or whether you became a Christian very recently or whether you're going to become a Christian tonight, hallelujah, (laughs) that would be amazing. We would love that. It really doesn't matter. The moment you become a Christian, God is able to start using you and he plugs you into a group of people who can help you even with your difficulties. You don't have to be perfect. Let that just ooze over you. Just let it sit on you for a moment. You do not have to be perfect to make an impact for God. Then the scripture goes on And Jesus came to them and uh, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here's the cool thing. Jesus says, I'm going to send you even though you're not perfect, but he does, he he takes it one step up and he says, yes, I'm going to send you, but I'm actually sending you with my authority. So I remember when I was at school, I I said, I was, I was a bit of a naughty boy. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like those lukewarm unsaved people. When I was unsaved, I was severely unsaved. When I lived for the world, I did it properly. I wasn't wasting my time. I I was like fully living for the world when I lived for the world. And I remember at school, some of you would have never done this. I know my wife. If I say this to her, she, she, no, no, well, she would just, she, she would never do this in her life. But regularly, we would skip school. Anyone else who has skipped school before? Yeah. I remember skipping. out uh, some of the guys are like, "Yeah, like, I've done that, been there, done that, got the t-shirts, got the whipping from the headmaster, maybe." But I've skipped school. But I remember skipping school. You know, now as, a, as, a, as an adult going into a school, you're like, no man, it's so easy. You just walk out, no one's gonna stop you. Yeah. But when you're at school, it is scary trying to walk out. you like, it feels like I'm gonna walk out, out of here and all the teachers are gonna come and say, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> when you try and climb, climb over the wall, it feels like all of them are gonna literally say, where are you going, young man or young girl? <laughs> it's a scary thought, right? But what Jesus is doing here is, if you've ever been sent on an errand in school, because I remember those times, it's like, you're nervous because you feel like you're going to come in trouble. And you walk around and you're supposed to be in a class. But imagine the headmaster says to you, I'm sending you on an errand. I want you to quickly go to the shop for me, but I'm going to give you a handwritten note saying that I am sending you. Imagine how cool it must be when you walk out of the school and one of the teachers stops you, one of those that you don't like, young man. Where are you going? Just, just a moment. In more place. See, what you can say is I'm going by the authority of the headmaster. He has given me permission. He has given me authority. I'm going on his behalf. And it takes all fear away. And what Jesus was doing here is he's saying, yes, I want to use you and I know you're not perfect. And besides that, I'm actually going with you, and I want you to go on my behalf. How incredible is that? So when we go into this world, when we want to make a difference for God, we are not doing it on our own. We don't have to be nervous. We've got the God of the universe doing it with us, and we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? It really is amazing. So Jesus doesn't send us on our own. He actually sends us um, with Him, by our side. And He's there as we make a difference for Him. And then he goes on. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Where are we now? Can you go to that point? I think it's the next one. Uh, no, it's the previous one. Sorry, I'm bouncing around. Oh, sorry, it's a different translation. Okay, I'm, I read the e, the ESV, which is the translation Jesus read as well. So, so I'm not sure what this is. Jesus came and told his disciples. I have, first he says, I have been, it's like the headmaster coming and saying, I'm the boss here. I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Next one. Therefore, go and make disciples. So he, Jesus, is sending you, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a short time, Jesus is actually sending you with a mission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. But you know what the interesting thing is, I think we've got so many theories about how this actually plays out. How does discipleship work out? How are we supposed to make disciples for Jesus? And um, it, it is an interesting one because it's, it's not always so easy to know. But you know what the best way to, to learn what the Bible actually means? Is there's this, there's this principle that you learn in Bible interpretation. You say, let Scripture interpret Scripture so if you're ever wondering if you ever get stuck on a passage and you wonder what does this passage mean then you just allow other portions of the bible to interpret that portion of the bible here so because there are so many examples of churches who have made up their mind on what discipleship actually means and they've got different methods that they use to ask for us to really know what does the bible actually mean here we need to go and look at how this played out so jesus says to the disciples therefore go and make disciples but we need to then go to the book of Acts and see how did they actually apply this? Because here's the thing. Many, many churches, and I, I mean, I had this mindset for a long time. I thought that Jesus had 12 disciples. And if we want to be effective in this life, then each of us needs to find 12 disciples of our own. <laughs> and then we need to get those 12 disciples to make 12 disciples of their own. And if they make 12 disciples of their own then it's exponential growth and then we'll reach the world really quickly. That's how I actually thought. You're laughing at me like you guys haven't thought that. I thought that. I'm sure some of you have thought that. Or at the very least, we say, okay, we can't do 12. That's Jesus. I'm a human being. I'm not God. So let me do three people. And I will get my three people. I lead them to Jesus and I'll do three people every year that I'll reach out to. When in fact, the early disciples never did that. It's not how they did it. You see, Jesus had 12 disciples and 12 apostles. But the reason I think that actually happened is was because in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. And coming into the New Testament, it was a symbolic picture as well of saying, yes, it was Israel that was saved. Now the 12 tribes of Israel, but now I'm actually expanding it to the world, even to the Gentiles. And so it was like a significant moment of saying, I'm, I'm putting 12 apostles and 12 disciples in place. But then from there, we don't see any of the disciples having disciples of their own. In fact, when they make disciples, they make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of Paul, not disciples of Peter or John, disciples of Jesus, which just means people that follow Jesus. In fact, it's interesting when you look at the story in the book of Acts. Firstly, there were 120 people in the upper room after Jesus left the earth, which is incredible in itself. I would have thought that when Jesus left the earth, He would have had thousands and thousands of followers, right? He didn't. He had 120 disciples who were waiting for Him in the upper room. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. I'm just giving you the story here. The Holy Spirit comes upon that group of 120 people. They start speaking in tongues. They receive the Holy Spirit. People start gathering around them saying, What the heck is going on here? They look like drunk people. (laughs) Which gives you an indication sometimes of how church is supposed to look when the Holy Spirit rocks up, right? Imagine that. I think sometimes we should have people asking us, Man, you guys look like a bunch of drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> then we know that we spot on. Sorry, this is a bit of a, a sidetrack here. But I had a chat with, with Gala last week and... Um, Last week, oh, was it last week or two weeks ago in the second service that I think the Holy Spirit just rocked up eh? with Keenan here? Not last week, the week before. So, so two weeks ago we had a service and at the six o'clock service, who was there at the six o'clock service two weeks ago with Kenan? Oh my, God. the Holy Spirit just rocked up. And when God comes, we chuck our plans out the window. We don't care about our plans. We don't care about how church is supposed to look. We're just like, God, what do you want to do? You are the leader of this church. What do you want to do? And so at this service, while we were worshiping, there was just a moment where everything went dead quiet. And I said to people, I literally felt like if I was going to speak there, I would be sinning. I just felt like it was a holy moment where God was there. And we decided to chuck the preach. We're not preaching that evening anymore. We're just going to sit in the presence of God. And for a few minutes, it was dead quiet and all. God was there. And that was better than any sermon that I could have preached that evening. I mean, I know I'm good. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. But I'm not as good as God. When God rocks up and His presence is there, then I'm like, God, I'm not even going to try and say something because it won't come close to what you are doing in that moment. And so we chucked the preach. We didn't do it. And I know Gala said, and I spoke to other people as well who said to me, when they told that to some of their friends, their friends were like, what the heck, I'm never inviting someone to your church. (laughs) That's so weird. It's like a cult. (laughs) But anyway, when people start calling us a cult, I think we're doing well. Uh, Amen, eh? (laughs) Some of you are very confused. What is this guy saying? (laughs) I do think we need to look totally different from, from everything around us. The early church people looked at them they were afraid to join them but still they did because god God was there like i I don't want to be i don't want to be alternative for the sake of being alternative i just want to follow god and if that looks different then i don't care like if god pitches up now i'll put down the mic and we just worship and then if the next service people pitch up i don't care (laughs) they can stay outside Come on, people. If God is here, then we chuck our plans out the door. We actually do. We don't care about those things. Where was I? What was I saying? Anyway, okay. So, yes, I was, I was speaking about these early disciples. So, we want to know, how did they go and make disciples? So, there's these 120 people in, in an upper room. The Holy Spirit comes. People start coming around and saying, these people sound like drunk people. They look like drunk people. And then Peter stands up. And he starts preaching, and he tells them about Jesus, all these Jews. He says, this is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. You've always waited that God would send someone to come and save you from your sin. And he starts preaching about that. And in Acts 2, 37, 38, you don't have to put that up. Then the people shout out to Peter. They say, now that we've heard about this person called Jesus, what shall we do? It says they were cut to the heart by hearing about the, the message of Jesus. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then in that moment, 3,000 people say, I want to repent and be baptized. So they go from 120 people to 3,120 people in a day. How's that? What if that happened to us? I don't know what I would do. I'm already overwhelmed by all of you new people. I mean, I love you, but I'm a bit overwhelmed. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, God is doing something. We're just getting new people all the time. It really is incredible. We don't want that to stop. But I would be overwhelmed. So yeah, here, they, they literally, they more, I don't know, they grow like a hundredfold. I don't know. The math people will correct me. <laughs> Luke, you can correct me. They just grow a lot. <laughs> and then it says, as they go on again, there's preaching and 4,000 people get added. And then just after that, the, the writer of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, he actually just stopped counting and he said a great multitude was added that day. So the church explodes. It was impossible for the 120 to say, each of you get your 12 disciples and you disciple them. No, how would people actually disciple? How would people disciple if we need to apply that to our lives and say we want to actually disciple others? Well, I think the way that the 120 lived disciple the multitudes that sure. came in Sure, those 120 people were faithful and devoted to jesus and if you are going to be faithful and devoted to jesus if we as a church are going to say we are going to love god fully then as people come in they can't back fall into our slips for you and follow god with us listen to how these people were acts two forty-two to 47 we read this a lot but this is the devotion and the passion. Of the early disciples this is discipleship for me this is how they discipled and they devoted themselves each of those 120 people said i'm going to devote myself there wasn't one of them that wasn't devoted and that pulled people into their slipstream to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and my, many, sorry, I don't remember you've got a different translation. Okay, where are we? A deep sense of awe came um, over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. How incredible. How did discipleship take place? The people just loved it. They lived it they were in each other's homes they said we are devoted we're going to be devoted and live this thing and people were pull in, and then others started doing the same they sold their possessions and shared their proceeds with those in need like when i was preparing for this preach i actually like i don't know i was asking god god can't we have just go to the previous one can't we have some of this that people are so passionate to disciple Stalin bosch that they find jobs here. <laughs> and I'm not putting that on you. If you need to leave, like for the students among you guys, if you need to leave, leave. But imagine a bunch of people say, like, we, we believe God has added us here and we want to help disciple people around here. We want to see a move of God in this church. Imagine people are like, I don't care. Like, we'll, we'll throw our lots in together. If you can't find a job, we'll, we'll look after you. Come stay with me. Imagine that. That's what actually happened here. They yes. sold everything so that they could stay in Jerusalem where the action was at. There's a bit of action here. Maybe some of you want to stay. Little yeah. little. <laughs> they worshiped together at the temple each day, meeting in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord, had added to their, the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Amen, Lord. Yeah. Please, Lord. Remember, Andrew, it was so challenging when he said this. When he planted Joshua and he said, God, we want, obviously, when, when you add people from different places, that's great. But we want to see salvations as well. Yeah. We want to see people coming in who don't know God. And, and Andrew said, he said, God, I'm going to wrestle with you until we see this. Every day people are being saved and added to us. That means at least seven people saved a week. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want to go out. We want to love God fully. And we want to pull people into the slipstream of us following God and see people getting saved. And that is how we are going to go and make disciples. Interestingly, I know I'm jumping around here, but, but Jesus said, go therefore. And in Acts 1 verse 8, it's like a reiteration of this moment. Acts 1 verse 8. It's again Jesus' last words before he goes up to heaven. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's interesting. If as a Christian you want to say, okay, I want to be obedient and I want to go therefore. They didn't go therefore. They stayed first. Yeah. And later they went. It's interesting. Jerusalem was where they were at. So God was saying, first, this is the place where you make a difference. Start here. And then he says, throughout Judea, which was the surrounding area, then make a difference in the surrounding area. In Samaria, a bit further, and even to the ends of the earth. So we sometimes have this thing that we feel, if I want to go and make disciples, if I want to make an impact for God, I need to get on a plane and go to a different country. I don't think that's the truth. I think we can actually start with the people around us. Now, we've got a misconception. Paul, the apostle. Do you know that after he got saved, he started preaching immediately? Yes. But then for three years, he went to um, Arabia. And then after that, for a couple of years, he came back to Damascus. And then for a year, he served under another person in a church called Barnabas. And only after 12 or 13 years of being a Christian did Paul go on his first missionary journey. Yeah. How amazing. And we sometimes are so eager to say, Jesus said, God, I want to go right now. What if God says, for 12 or 13 years, I want to train you sure. before you make the difference? And obviously, while I'm being trained, yes, I'm going to make a difference. But are we patient enough to say, God, come and do a big work in me? Yeah. Sure. Even like Paul, I'm willing to stay. In to challenge you, I think some of you guys are here. God is going to start using you here. And He's going to use you even bigger going forward. But make this time a time of training. Make it a time of saying, God, teach me here. Shape me here. Form me here with these people. Bring your notebook to church on a Sunday. <laughs> Say, God, I want to learn. I want to learn. Okay. Let's go on. So I was getting a bit long there. Where, where were we? You can go back to um, Matthew 28. Uh, Therefore, yes, you can go to the next one. Oh, no, sorry. It is the previous one. You correct, not me. (laughs) All right. So it goes on. So Jesus is still speaking to them. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. As I said, they first started there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm still wet. No, I'm dry, actually. (laughs) Because I forgot to pack an extra shirt. We were just actually baptizing people before the service. And that is, as as disciple makers, we should be those that lead people to Jesus and actually baptize someone. Who in here has actually baptized someone, somewhere in your life? Okay. Here's a challenge for you. In a year's time, I want to ask that question again. And I want all of you to be able to say, yes, I've baptized someone. The duomeny doesn't have to baptize. (laughs) The pastor doesn't have to baptize. The Bible never says that. Each of us should come to a point where we walk with our friends and actually get in the water. And if I'm baptizing someone again or whatever, you can say, hey, is there space for one more? Come stand next to me, baptize with me. It doesn't really matter, but we need to be obedient and actually say, well, we actually want to baptize people. And then obviously, if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. You do need to be baptized. I wanted to speak a bit about that, but I won't. Okay. Okay. And then next one. Um, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, following God and making disciples, as we said, it's not just making people who are Christian in name. It's not making Josh Jenner's. It's not that. Let that sink in again. We don't want to make Josh James. We want to make people who have this heart to say, I want to obey all things that Jesus has commanded me. So when you walk with someone, as we pull people into our lives, as we share Jesus with the people around us, make sure that they understand that following Jesus is a free thing, but it costs everything. It will cost you your life. Because you're going to have to be willing to obey Jesus with every single part of you. We're going to have to say, Jesus, I want to obey all things that I've commanded you. And for us as a church, I want to say that I am only one person. Mac is only one person. The leaders here, we're only a handful of people. We can't teach all of you to obey all things that Jesus has commanded you. We need to help each other. We need to be a group of people that actually speak into each other's lives and say, In this area, I want to help you to obey all things that Jesus has commanded us. And the promise that we're going to end with, um, literally ending with this, is Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So as we do this, as we say, God, I want to be a disciple maker. I want to do something for you. I want to count for you. Remember this. Jesus is with you. Let's stand. Understand yet? It's interesting. Um, the old translation we were reading from two different translations here tonight. The old translation, the New King James version. See, um, anyway, there's a joke. that Let me first tell the joke, and then say what the translation said Because of a little boy, and he came to his, he came to his mom. Or the mom went went to him. She's teaching the, about the Bible, and she says, "My boy." Who in the Bible do you want to be like one day when you grow up? And the little boy says, I want to be like Lo. And the mom says, Lo? And the little boy says, yes, mommy. The Bible says, and Lo, I will be with you always. Even to the end of the day. The New King James Version says, Lo, I will be with you. Anyway, but that is the promise. And that's actually what I want to pray for i want to pray for before we leave here that all of us would be like low and have jesus with us yeah you know it's interesting in the book of acts when they prayed for people they they didn't have prayer meetings and say okay everyone who's sick we're going to pray for you for your sickness they they didn't do that Pr- pray for the sick was always when they went out to evangelize it was part of evangelism when they came together to pray they prayed for boldness to be a witness for jesus so they were praying to be like Lo, Yeah. to say, Jesus, be with me. Please give me boldness so that I can do something for you. So let's close our eyes. I'm going to give you a moment to respond. I think it's probably one of those responses that most of us would say, yes, that's for me. But it needs to be a cry from your heart to say, Jesus, use me. Jesus, give me boldness. Jesus, come over me with boldness so that I can share with my friends, I can share with my family the good things that you've done in me. So I'm going to give you a moment just now to cry out to God on your own. I think God can come to the front. We're going to, we're going to cry out together. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity. If you haven't become a disciple of Jesus yet, with all eyes closed, then I want to pray for you. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you so that you could know He loves you. He loves you so much. And before you can do anything for God, first you need to come into right standing with Him. And when He died on the cross, He was thinking of you and He was actually thinking of this moment and He wants you to come in repentance before Him and say, God, sorry for living a life without you, but please come into my life so that I can live with you going forward. So with all the eyes closed, there's anyone like that here tonight who says, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't think if I die now that I'm going to heaven, and I want to go to heaven, I want to be with Him. I want to give you an opportunity. Everyone's eyes are closed. Is there anyone like that, if you could just raise your hand. You want to give your life to Jesus, you can just put it up. Thank you. Okay. It's one of the leaders. Just keep your eyes closed. One of the leaders can pray there in the back. Head back okay is there anyone else anyone else that wants to say i want to make right with jesus i'm not i'm not in right standing with him i'm going to give you a last chance is there anyone like that you can raise your hand okay oh god we come before you tonight as your people lord Lord, I don't know about them, but Lord, I want to ask you for boldness to share your gospel with people. I want to ask you for boldness to go and make disciples, Lord. I want to be more active and activated for your kingdom, Lord. I don't only want to be a Christian who eats, Lord, from you and receives from you, but I also want to give to others the good thing that you've done in me, Lord. I want to give that to you. And if if you want to respond with me, can I ask you to just raise your hands to God in response? And let's pray for boldness. I'm going to ask Matt to come and pray for us just for boldness. Yes. Boldness of the Holy Spirit to come over us so that we can be witnesses for Jesus. So,
1: can I ask you to pray this often? You say, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ for all the passion in my heart, make me bold. Make me fearless, Father. Father, let me experience such a baptism. Of your power, that I will not hide, that I will burst forth, as they did on the day the Book of Acts, of your baptism, your baptism, and fearlessly, fearlessly preach, Lord, preach, Lord, Lord. When I'm uncomfortable, when it's scary, Father, to talk to a stranger, help me to forget myself. Me to but, but to be bold, Lord. To, be bold. to listen for your spirit. Yes. To listen for your, your guidance. Your guidance. In knowing what to say. In knowing what to and say. how to say it. to say Lord, I ask this. Lord, I ask in Jesus this. Christ's name. Jesus Christ Send name. me out.
0: Send me out.
1: As you were sent out. As you were sent from out. heaven, Lord. To be born as a baby. Be
0: born as a, a Fearless man.
1: Fearless man. Fearless woman. For your, for your kingdom. For your kingdom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, next week we trust for testimonies. Come on. After this week. Come on. So this new week, you guys are gonna go out. And and I've been trying to live this as a, as a lifestyle, and I have many testimonies to share, which we don't have time for tonight. But usually when I get this crazy idea and it's uncomfortable, yeah. it's gonna cost me something, yeah. it doesn't make sense, it's usually God. Yeah. And then I do it and I have amazing breakthrough with the people. So I never use an Uber and not lead the Uber guy to the Lord, oh. or at least challenge the Uber or the inside or whatever Boltz guy. Because the captive audience, he can't jump out. <laughs> then, so. so I want to challenge you, sitting next to people in the airport, in a plane, in yeah. an Uber, yeah. the, well. the, the child next to you in the library, yeah. and, and just say, Lord, what do I say, what do I say? Yeah. And it will come, it will come. Yeah. And God doesn't guide you a mile in advance. He, he guides you 30 centimeters in advance. Yeah. Just that one little step. And as you do it by faith, the next thought comes and then it starts God. flowing. yes, yes. yes who says amen Amen. and amen amen but the the benefit the reward (laughs) is massive massive to see people light shine start up in the people's hearts and eyes so let's close as we have to clean the Jesus Father we thank you for this venue Lord had we not had this venue we would have been in a bit of trouble (laughs) thank you God for this place and lord i pray that if it's your will that will remain here for a long time until we can't because we burst at the seams we thank you god we worship you father that here are standing many disciple makers and many disciples of you i pray as you thrust us out heal us from our wounds and our cracks father so that we Lead others into the wholeness as we taste your wholeness in our own lives. Help us to wrestle through our fears, our hurts, our rejections. And as we have breakthrough, let us touch others with the loveliness of Jesus. I bless each one here with that, Father, in your most beautiful name. I bless them, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name.